Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast, your regular feed of Fulham goodness seasoned with a bit of knowledge and a shed load of guesswork. My name is Sammy James and the final countdown is on for the season. How up then that I'm firstly joined by the man who hates Europe, Don Betts. Hello, hello. I couldn't have planned this any better with your Union Jack bucket hat in hand. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I need to look stylish in the nice summer weather, don't I? And fit your political slogan. Exactly. Ideology is probably the word I was actually looking for there. Uh, next up, we have the man who can definitely count three, two, one. It's Nick McNee. Hello. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. We're all reeling after the fact that you told us you had steak for breakfast. Well, it's a, it's a very healthy, you know, breakfast. So you throw some eggs inside it. It's a, it's a nice and nourishing breakfast. What can I say? Decadent is what it is. It's a very expensive breakfast. I mean, I had cheer. Well, look, it's not like I eat this every day. <laughs> I mean, it is day. a Monday. Well, you know, Monday's a shit day, so Maybe cheer yourself up. You I knew guess. you were coming on the podcast, so it's I guess you thought, I've got to prepare Let's be as full exactly. as possible and have a steak and eggs for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and it's the difficult second podcast for George Cooper. Yeah, mate. How's it going? Are you, re- are you ready for this? Often this, the, the second podcast can be the podcast that, that makes or breaks dreams. Oh, no, I feel... Yeah, no, I'm feeling good. So let's, let's hope it goes as well as um, I anticipate it will. Let's hope it's not a <laughs> Huddersfield town. Right. <laughs> Loads to discuss today. The West Ham game on Saturday. Uh, Anguissa, Harvey Elliott, the championship season as a whole. And, of course, that big game at Oakwell against Barnsley on Saturday. Let's start off with the West Ham game, the final pre-season. Nick, you were there. Fulham weren't brilliant, came out on the end of a 1-0 defeat, weren't awful at the same time. Was there too much that you could read from Saturday? I don't think there's too much you can really read from pre-season, but I think so if, if you can read it from any preseason game, though, it is the final one for yeah. the season. No, but that's what I was going to say. But I think you saw like you, um, Scott Parker was going to stick with a four-three-three, which we've had for about three seasons now. Uh, there's a lot of differences already I've noticed um, compared to say Slavici Okanovic's or Claudio Ranio's or even last year's of Scott Parker. For example, I think it's quite interesting that we've brought Dennis Adoy back to fullback at right back, especially rather than. Going back to centre-back, I mean, well, he did move to uh, centre-back after Alvy Mawson went down after about one minute into the second half, which mm. is a big worry already for us. I mean, we're already thin on the defensive line already. So, But I think in terms of just the overall structure, we're starting to see a style of play more, which is much more, a bit more compact defensively. Like You're not seeing the full-backs charge forward, but you're also seeing um, more emphasis placed on the wingers kind of cutting in, trying to be creators, like I think... Abubakar Kamara when he came on he was a huge threat especially for West Ham probably should have scored twice dragged his uh, two shots across the far post doesn't both sound times. like him yeah literally what I was about to say <laughs> yeah so um, I think you can't really read too much in these preseason games I mean you'll find out more from probably the first actual game which is of course Barnsley this weekend um, but I think there's definitely positives but at the same time the massive worries is obviously Johansson and Mawson going off in these games, which is not what you want at all from pre-season. Yeah, well, it looks like Johansson's going to be okay from all the reports I read. And as you say, the Mawson one did look particularly troubling. I've seen some rumours on Twitter that the Mawson injury isn't as bad as we first suspected, but it's difficult with with Alfie, and it would be such a setback if if he's not available for for the start of the season. Um, Dom, how happy would you be on a scale of 1 to 10 
if on Saturday, or let's say when the transfer window closes, which would be the Blackburn game, uh, the back five is Bettinelli, Brian, Mawson, Lamarchon, and Dennis Adoy at right back, as we saw against West Ham. I still think a right back needs to be brought in because then realistically, you've got Adoy and Christie. Adoy, I don't really know what his best position is. Christie, I don't want to sit anywhere near the first team. And then you've got Stephen Session, who's unproven. So I do think, you know. It weren't exactly defensively solid when we got promoted last time. No. We did have bombing fullbacks in Fredericks and Target, who we now no longer have. So as much as Brian is a competent championship fullback, I do think the defence does need strengthening, especially in the fullback areas. Just because if you look at Joe Bryan for starters, who's the backup left back? Like for me, there isn't one. It's Maxime Lamarchon, yeah. probably, isn't it? And for the system we're going to play, it's, that's simply not going to work. So I think fullback area does need strengthening. And if more, and with Morse's injury, I do think one more centre back to be brought in would be nice. But again, that's in an ideal world. But I do think fullback is an area we need to press on with in the transfer market over the next ten days. Um, rest of the squad, you had uh, a midfield trio of Kearney, Johansson, McDonald. will come on to the departure of Anguissa. Uh, in just a little bit, uh, and then the front three of Cavalero, Mitrovic, Knockart, George. You, I, I mean, surely it seems to be the case that that is going to be the midfield three and the front three for the majority of the season, unless any more transfers come in. Yeah, it would it would seem that way. But then again, relating to what Dom said, I think we're painfully thin in the midfield as well. I mean, we've got an aging. Well, I'll say aging, but he's getting on a bit. K Mac, he's injury prone. If yep. you get two more nasty injuries to Stefan and came out, we're we're very 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 light on our feet, and we need to bring in another central midfielder. Uh, I would argue as badly as a wing back, wing backs and central central defence. But maybe Matt, we have got some centre midfield cover. You, we always forget about Ibrahim Asise. Here we go again, <laughs> um, and Matt O'Reilly, of course, yeah, in the middle, who could potentially do a job. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see Matt O'Reilly come through. I mean, I saw today he's been linked with... Uh, a ho- it's always described as a host of Premier League clubs, but they never actually go into detail as to who mm. these clubs are. And he's been linked with uh, Bundesliga as well. He's been linked with Dortmund over the last year or so. Yeah. There was a report on Sky about Copenhagen, which is quite interesting. He's going to go on Jesse Oren, is he? Over, over Copenhagen. Well, Jesse Oren's gone to Brescia. Oh, he's moved across to, to Italy, Italy. Now, yeah. yeah, he's a starting, potentially starting Serie goalkeeper out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, I think, but I think with I think with the problem with midfield again with uh, with when Anguissa we thought he might stay. We thought okay, we've got the cover there. But even then, we we I think I don't know. If we spoke about it last week. We've, we've definitely spoken at some point that if K Mac does get injured, uh, you've, I know you've got CC there, but there's no backup. There is no like Norwood type player within the squad. I guess you could argue if Harry Arta was to come in, then he would be that squad central midfield player. But as we are very light in our squad in general, I, th- I feel I yeah. don't. F- I feel like we've got a really decent championship starting 11 but apart after that who else do you have you you're relying on us getting no injuries like luckily we did do in the two seasons we did fairly well in in the championship apart from obviously when Kearney got injured but yeah we we, we are and very we had that depth because we had a player like Lucas Piazon but you imagine that Fulham are going to plug those squad depth gaps probably with with more loans and obviously we've got you, we've you, got three yeah, there more is that, that but one get. thing in this transfer window is in seasons past we've been linked with players throughout the window and then they've got done but I feel like we're not really being linked when I, I know you can't really judge that because you know certain transfers come out of nowhere kind of like the Anthony Knockout deal yes it was murmured but then it sort of came out of nowhere across one day and then I mean you said two weeks ago but you couldn't see him possibly signing yeah. and then what five days later he joined the club so I think that 
I th- I th- did, did we need to bring that yeah, up? Yeah, <laughs> we, we are, I mean, most weeks for the rest of the season now, I think. There we go. Until, until the next transfer window. But no, I do think we need to be proactive in the transfer window. It's not like we need to bring in necessarily loads of quality players in, but players who are going to bulk up our squad and add depth to it. Because at the moment, for me, yes, we've got a good starting eleven, but past that, really, what is there? Um, some things never change and uh, Fulham are still weak from crosses and uh, weak at defending set pieces we had Marcus Bettinelli actually to thank Ooh. for the for the score not being um, greater to West Ham on, on one hand I felt like some of his cross ability crossing catching ability was a bit off but his shot stopping on, on Saturday was was definitely on form and particularly the corner at the beginning of the second half where he made was it almost like a triple save in the end wasn't it um, yeah. to, to deny West Ham so kind of six of one half a dozen of the other from Marcus Bettinelli I don't know whether to be pleased or pleased or disappointed well you know his shot stopping has always been the best of his abilities we know that very well he's a cop you know a Premier League level shot stopper um, the thing that worries me is on Saturday, every other aspect of the, his game was really poor. His kicking was poor. His positioning was poor. If you saw the last minute, uh, Andre Yarmolenko missed an absolute sitter mm. where he got caught out for a corner. Um, he is coming back from injury and you know a, a long-term injury as well, which really do affect goalkeepers. So I guess it will take time to bed in. But at the same time, you kind of want to see a Marek Roddick start, for example, got high reviews from Rotherham fans and not exactly the best team you know a team that faced lots of shots as well so are we competent with Marcus Bettinelli in goal I'm not really sure but at the same time we do have an in-house replacement Marek Roddick who I think would be pretty competent if we were to go with him yeah exactly I'm not too worried as I said I think having that healthy competition I'd like to see Marcus keep the number one spot and start with the number one spot and then if if continues some of this poor form particularly on other aspects of his game other than shot stopping and then we have a ready-made replacement ready to go in, in, in Rodak and I think but most I, I, the weirdest thing about Fulham goalkeeper situations is we so often never stick with the same goalkeeper for the entire season we've had Button and Bettinelli fight him we've had Rico Fabri and Bettinelli fight him we have we had we had Lonergan Corrali and Bettinelli you had who you got your your own who's played you played games even you know, we, we was it Mark and Stecklenberg and David mm. Stockdale fighting for the number one jersey. Mm. We haven't really had a solid number one goalkeeper who's there. You know, thirty, forty games a season since Mark Swartzer left the club. No, precisely. I think that's a very, very good point. Every season there's been a bit of a debate, and actually, it would be nice to have that solid number one in between the sticks. The thing is, though, is that Mark Schwarzer was easily like a top ten goalkeeper in the Prem week in, week out with Marcus Bettinelli. You know, it's it's so inconsistent all the time. Like the shot stopping and positioning errors. But he never like, gets to start a season. He always has to work his way into the squad. But button, you, you'd all the seasons always start ahead of him. And you know, Lon- and then obviously he got that serious injury away to Hull, and then obviously Lon- and Lon- came in. We even have Richard Lee not play a game, but came in as a emergency loan from Brentford back at the end of one of the seasons. So I think that. You know, yes, we, we've got great goalkeeping options in the likes of Benny Rodak and Fabry still somehow at the club. Yeah, but, um, we are we are discounting Fabry because if you look at all three goalkeepers on paper, Fabry's the best one out of three. Well, well yeah, he's got Champions League experience yeah. and 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 everything else. But I think after last season, yeah, going on the track record, I think yeah. If you if you look at all our three goalkeepers across the thing, I think if you if if you're looking at how many I think saves per game, he was the highest. I know he he was playing Palace and Spurs, and I don't think saves per game really is a stat you can really go by at all. But yeah, I, I don't I don't I think he will be off. I can't see him staying and being our third choice goalkeeper. Well, no, nor can I. But there's been absolutely 
No rumours. He seems happy in all the pictures from him posting on social media. So. Oh, he always looks go. happy. Though. Yeah, he does always look happy. <laughs> happy Fabry. Um, Nick, I-, I sadly wasn't there on Saturday. How did it feel inside the stadium, minus one stand? I mean, the photos looked bizarre. The photos coming from the Johnny Haynes, just looking at this bare Riverside stand that's, that's seatless. And there's a there's a small little gantry that's been put up. In, in as like a temporary measure for for the television cameras, I quite like that when it pans extremely far to the left or right to the near corners, um, you get that Loftus Road style pillar, um, kind of almost half blocking it. But I guess what can you expect from 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 some scaffolding? But what what did it feel like inside the ground? I mean, fifty percent of the ground was filled with West Ham fans. But like aside from that, it was pretty bizarre. Just like. One side is, as you said, completely empty. Like I saw my old seat just completely torn out, felt a bit of sadness almost. But I mean, it, it's strange though, because like, there's this massive cover over like the, where the coaches and players or substitutes all sit, and then you've got just a massive wall of cameras there, because uh, obviously they've taken out the uh, camera wells and stuff from above the stand and that. But the atmosphere is going to—I mean, it's already it already was lacking before. It's not going to be exactly what I yeah, think. Yeah, but it's you can also say it won't really take a hit because it was coming from the Riverside stand. Yeah, that's true, exactly. So, <laughs> you, Yeah, but it's not necessarily just song singing and, and like the actual noise from the river sand. The ambience of 6,000 people suddenly missing from half the ground does does feel weird. Yeah, no, it will, yeah. Be, it will be a very weird Who gets the thing. ball if it gets kicked in the stand? Is there just going to be one man like doing, there was the, a doing few the builders there. there was a few builders who got, you know, to watch the game for free. Lucky, you know lucky people i guess got to watch a pre-season friendly between fulham and west ham that would have otherwise cost them 20 pounds i mean it did seem full of west ham fans i saw that james corden was there and um, bobby zamora and Bo- yeah oh was that with that photo on the fulham instagram yeah came from? that's where that came from yeah that made me sort of cringe a bit because he's not even that was always that the occasion of that photograph was obviously we're both west ham fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit odd yeah um, i had some very dom inspired thoughts of get out of my country when i saw the james corden instagram photo <laughs> Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, sadly, Fulham didn't produce the Late Late Show, and it stayed 1-0 to uh, West Ham in the end. Lanzini's goal was the difference. As you say, Kamara had um, a chance late on to to level it, but it never really looked, certainly as far as the highlights suggested, that, that Fulham were going to get back into the game. Um, let's move on um, from West Ham. Um, let's briefly talk about the Oxford game, which was on Tuesday. Uh, Anthony Knockhart got his first goal on his first appearance for the club. Uh, a lovely, sumptuous um, free kick. Good to see him getting off the ground. And there's going to be some competition over who takes the free kicks this year. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, uh, we all know TK loves to step up. Steph uh, Joe has scored a few in his yeah, time. Yeah, Steph Joe as well. Um, and Mitch Fitch even chips in from time to time. But uh, what a free kick that was. It was. It could not have been any more perfectly placed, yeah. could it? Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's uh, who's taking them this season. I think it will be a rotation. I can't see that. I can't see that um, Kearney's going to be able to keep hold of them throughout the whole season. But. Yeah, we'll see. Um, So let's talk about uh, the transfer that happened on Friday night. Now, Fulham have really made a habit of announcing transfers at at slightly unsociable times. Um, Sunday mornings seem to be a a real favourite of Fulham at the moment. Um, We've had one on a Saturday and now we have a transfer departure on a Friday evening. Certainly as um, some people trying to run a kind of Fulham 
media account it, it is a little bit annoying to say the least but anyway that's my moans out of the way the biggest moan is that frank zambo and Gisa and Guisa uh, has departed on loan to villarreal and i didn't see this coming i didn't see it coming at all up until obviously it was a couple of days before the rumors were coming in he hadn't featured much in pre-season but i really thought dom that Anguisa was going to be a pivotal part of our promotion push. And in my eyes, I sadly now was considering us as almost certain bankers for, for top two when you look at the squad on paper, maybe short of a, a centre-back or a right-back. And and now I, I think we're back to playoff contenders. That's how important I feel like Anguisa would have been in the centre of our midfield. Yeah, we. I wouldn't say we're now back to just being playoff contenders. I still think we are one of the favourites for the league. Because if you look, if you're comparing our team to Cardiff's and Leeds, who I think the other two favourites, it's still pretty much similar. I wouldn't say their midfield, any of either of the fields are that much better than ours. But yeah, Anguissa was a huge loss because obviously he was in the kit release thing. Everyone assumed he was going to stay. He started on the party, started sort of coming to himself, started playing really well, and thought he was going to be the Yaya Torre-esque player of the championship. And then, obviously, the rumours of Villarreal, there weren't any rumours of him going anywhere over the entire summer because his stock had fallen so badly. You know, obviously, he came for 30-odd mil pounds from Marseille after being one, a really good player for them in their Europa League run to the final under Rudy Garcia. And, yeah, it's annoying because we thought he would be the play, you know, Kevin McDonald holding him in the middle and Kearney in behind the front three. But, I mean, I'm not too bothered in one sense because him and Seri are two players I wasn't bothered about leaving the club as much this summer just because I think, and I do want them to go, I don't want them to come back because I think if you if they do come back I and mean, get promoted, let's say, and they come straight back into the team, you have the same problem you had last season where you have players who get you up promoted or on championship wages and then you have these two big players come in on Premier League Raiders from, from, from France and they're almost double what some players are earning so I do think these players should just be moved on permanently next summer and yeah it's annoying but it, it now means as we mentioned earlier we just have to strengthen in the middle of the park now because after K-Mac Johansson and Kearney we, there isn't any players you could see even if we're actually even challenging them for the first team Precisely. I mean, I, I I agree with you as well regarding this possibility of Seri or Anguissa coming back if we got promoted. I mean, I know there's no room for sentimentality in football, but that is a bad look, isn't it? If we sign players and put them in the team when we're in the Premier League, they they poodle off for a season off to, to warmer climbs while we're, we're slogging it in the Championship. And then as soon as Fulham potentially get promoted, oh no, come back in. Here's a sentiment. What's like birth. if we... When we loaned out uh, Costas Matroglu, let's say we got promoted in that season, he came back and was our starting striker up front. That that wouldn't that wouldn't be a good idea at all. So I think yeah, these players didn't work last season. They've been waste of money. I don't care what anyone says. They they what we spent. Well, actually, we don't have much to spend on Sarri, but we spent near enough forty forty five million pound on both of them. They haven't they have they haven't worked and they have been a waste of money. And it's just time to get some money back on them, whether it's this season or next season. It's a shame for FFP for us that we're not getting the money straight away, just because then it would would allow us to spend more money in this transfer window on permanent players. But yeah, I think it's time to just move on from both those players. It is really, really sad though, I, and I and whilst I really wasn't disappointed to see Seri go because I weirdly couldn't see how he was going to improve our team with Tom Kearney there. Anguissa's a a beast, and we saw that towards the end of last season that he really, really can dominate games. He was he was you know man of the match against teams like Liverpool and Man City, and really caused them a lot of problems. 
Yeah, he, I, mean, I mean, he did. He was he would have fit perfectly in that number eight role next to K-Mac and Kearney. I mean, perfectly. And I think, as Dom said, <laughs> it's probably a bit hyperbole, but really would have been at least the Yaya Toro of the championship. He's a really talented player, but at the same time, you've got to take into financial considerations. I mean, the wages probably were just too much. And yeah, yeah you'd assume with Seri and Anguissa, Gala and Villarreal playing 100% of the wages, surely. Yeah, and yeah. there's supposedly an option to buy, which... Uh, Villarreal are probably a well-run club and they've probably got a cheap option like Galatasaray do have at least with a player of Seri's quality so I don't think we'll see those two back next season which is a shame because I, I was a huge fan of Zambo like his statistical profile was basically plastered all over the internet from his Marseille days it, it's outstanding um, it just hasn't worked out um, which is a shame and um, yeah I think we've just got to move on and find replacements quickly yeah. uh, I'm aware that this is a very unpopular opinion amongst the Fulhamish ranks Here but I, I'm, I'm glad to see him go mate I, I thought he okay. was I, he so inconsistent and I think all of the talk of him being uh, it would have been a fantastic asset in the championship is purely hypothetical I think he was far too inconsistent and I think that I, I had a little look at s- sort of what the Marseille fans were saying when we brought him over and they, they were, were all delighted they were all delighted they were gassed they were like how on earth have we got this amount of money from from Fulham they, and they said exactly the same things it was just inconsistent you didn't know what player you were going to get granted you have these mi- brilliant matches like the one against Liverpool where he sort of people are like oh he's got undeniable talent but if you're only seeing that like five games a season but he did put it some consi- consistency together towards the end of the season once he got a solid space in the squad once he had a solid manager who trusted him in, in Scott Parker I feel like we did see yeah but I also think there was more reasons to try and move him on than to keep him at the club 100% yeah. because Yes, we have, you've seen him play well in good games, but we've seen we've seen loads of Fulham players who are definitely absolute pony who've played well in good games. So I think that yes, you can we can you, we as we said he could have been this Yaya Torre of the Championship, but we really don't know. Yeah, because we hadn't seen him play at this level. I think is another point to put across. But yeah, for me it was more annoying that now we've just lost the depth in our midfield completely mm. and it now means we need to go out and secure some centre midfielders because you know if Anguisa was there he might not necessarily start it but it would have provided us with an extra player who can you know I wouldn't, he's not really an anchor man at all but you know he could play there if an injury crisis that's that's the huge like bug for me is that this hap- happened like fairly late in the window because obviously the window for championship cl- um, clubs is now a lot earlier than it was last year we can't. We only have about what two weeks until the window closes. You got about ten days. I think, ten next days. Thursday. Ten yeah, days. Yeah, to Thursday. find a re- you know a replacement. That's a frustrating thing. Of course, in England, it doesn't exactly operate like Germany in the transfer market, where seemingly everything is done early. That's how it is. But it's just frustrating. I feel um, Tony Khan's got something in the pipeline. I don't think he would have left us this exposed with this short a time. I've, I really hope that I don't need my words when we when we speak next. But I've, there, there's got to be something coming in. Uh, only- I, you just worry that it's going to be another late flurry. It's going to be another five signings at. Yeah, but we ten, do that every single transfer window. Ten to five. But we do that every year. All, we always end up with these random players. Even not not talking about when when we spent 100 million pounds in, in the Premier League. I'm talking about just random transfer windows in seasons gone past where we end up with random players brought in on deadline day who will see play about two or three times and who aren't of any use to us whatsoever. Well, I thought we were going to be a bit smarter than that this summer. I think was was with my interpretation. I think we just. I think he might have just prioritised making his first team squad look really good. You know, our attack looked very good, but. 
you know, you in a championship, you know how much of a squad you're going to need. The likes of a Callas, a Piaz on uh, Oliver Norwood. You know, even if you look at the, I know Shea Ojo wasn't exactly the greatest player, but he provided depth in the wide areas. Yeah. You know, we and you know we. It's just it is worrying that there we there isn't this 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 depth in the squad at the moment because you know our centre midfield depth is our youth academy at the moment. Well. Maybe a bit of depth might be provided by Josh Onema, who was spotted at, reportedly spotted at Craven Cottage. So, so it looked really photoshopped by the picture, <laughs> but then someone posted like a video of him walking around. Okay, so he was there. Yeah, he was there. It's just the, the picture that was posted just looked really, really well photoshopped. <laughs> well, obviously he might be joining from Spurs, where Scott Parker has good contexts. One would presume it's part of the Ryan Sessignon deal, which still hasn't happened. You uh, told me last week you thought it was going to happen. Yeah, I did think it was going to happen this week because I don't, I don't see what's holding it up. Well, we didn't see what was holding up what a month ago because he's, you know, Sess supposedly said he wanted it done before the under twenty one. Yeah, well, I just, I just don't understand what's holding up. Like, we need to sell him, Daniel Levy. He's not going to sign a new contract. But I, now I, Scott Parker I don't thinks think he's going to stay. Le- I don't think it's Daniel Levy. I think it's us. I think it's us trying to get something back from Spurs. Well, if I'm being honest, mate, I don't actually want Joshua and I want a club because. Again, yes, we're getting something from Spurs, but we're still playing the players' wages. Who, if you said without, if you take the session and do it out of context, oh, would you want Joshua on him? I'd probably say no. But hang on, you just came on and said we need players of like Piazon and Callas and Sheyojo to to fill the squad and, and create. Depth. Yeah, but I, I don't Josh understand be like why. That. If you if Joshua Onoma and I know we're linked with Harry Arta, but I'd much rather have Harry Arta as a squad player than Josh Onoma. Okay, why? Because I just feel like he's he's more versatile. He's in, he's more experienced in the championship. Has Joshua Onama ever really impressed in the championship? No, he hasn't. Whereas Harry Arta has. Name me a, name me a time when Josh Onama has shown you that fitness is a player. But you could have said forward. the same. You could have said the same about Lucas Piazon. hadn't really impressed in the championship. Was terrible for Reading, and then came to us and was half. Onama was also part of the Aston Villa side that got to the playoff final, and you know lost against us as well so that's still a fairly decent track yeah, record but he, in my he, books yeah but he's not I just don't I think Josh on and Wick they're giving us because it's who Spurs want to give away it's not because mm. we actually want him if, because for me if you if I'm looking at players in the Spurs there's not really any of their players I really want I'd rather just I don't want to take players for the sake of taking players from them when we can get we can pay those wages get someone better in on loan I don't really see what we have to lose from getting a 23-year-old English centre mid. Like, if you develop that for one or two years, that's already a good amount of money you're but getting I, in the no, pipeline. No, I, get, I, get, I, get, I get that, but you're, you're getting a player just for this, I feel like for the sake of getting something from Spurs in this deal because we're only going to get, I don't know, 15, But at the same time, Sess only has one year in his deal. Like, this is yeah, but I'd rather just take the 20 million and find players who we want to get in instead of taking I the scapegoats from Spurs. I was thinking about this. I don't think that Fulham will be sacrificing any money to get in. Josh Onema. I don't think it's going to be a case. It's of- not sacrificing the money. It's the wages we're paying for a play. We don't necessarily want to bring in. Hmm. We might want to bring him in though. <laughs> we don't we, know we, that. The only time he's been linked is he's been part of a Sessignon deal. We, um, so I think the problem. The but problem, why would Fulham, Fulham wouldn't ask to have Josh Onema just for the whim? Just so yeah, but we, the reports aren't. We're asking for Josh Onema. It's asking we're asking for two players, and they're offering Onema and Jordan mm-hmm. Kudu. Well then, don't take. I, 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 I would definitely not take Kudu. No way. <laughs> no if way. If Fulham don't want him, then they shouldn't take him. There's, there should be no inclination to take on a I player. Just, I just don't see what he brings apart from. But I trust depth. that Scott Parker should be able to make this decision very. Inf- have a very informed decision on this since he was part of the Spurs youth setup. Yeah, it's just every time I've seen Josh Onema in the championship, I, just, I haven't been impressed with him whatsoever, so I just don't think it's a worthwhile addition to the squad. 
Realistically speaking, out of the Spurs squad, if a player was to be involved in a deal with Sessegnon, who would you want to see from the Spurs? Well, obviously we don't want to see Jordan Zinkudu because he's just the definition of pony. And then <laughs> and then if you take someone, I don't know, like I was thinking at the time, because when we spoke last week, it was about, oh, we don't need, we got Anguissa in the field, we're all right for now. We spoke about Cameron Carter-Vickers. Hmm. the centre back and I think I'd like to bring him in because I think if we were to take one of the, some of the youth players it would be that you know I, 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 he's part of their first team pans but if we're if we're going to think about sending him from Spurs you want to look at Skip I know he's definitely in their first team plans but I don't know if Tony Khan can work his magic there the only one for me would be if Carl walker Pieces there's no chance no Carl was prepared to, to, to take that step down it's not that he's prepared to take that step down it's, he's Spurs have He's one of Spurs' only right backs left. They got Sergio Aurier and him. Yeah, but if Spurs got in another right back, then he well, might they're suddenly move, be uh, Foyf supposedly to. Yeah, I know right he played there for Argentina in Copa yeah. America, but he yeah, might be me, third choice. Yeah, Carl Walker Peters would have been a good option, but he's definitely part of their first team plans. Well, yeah, and you know, because Spurs' options at fullback is so thin at the moment. There's also um, Marcus Edwards, who I believe had a really good spell in the Eredivisie. A bit of an attitude problem, but he's a talented uh, he, midfielder yeah, in the he role is, of a number 10. The talent with Edwards is so clearly there. I, it's not quite a Ravel Morrison case with him, but there's, there's definitely a not maybe not an attitude problem, but it's definitely an issue there. Yeah. Because he's, he's promised so much for so long. And yeah. even when he's coming through to you, Frank, so many players saying, this is one to watch out for. He's still not someone I'd be you know clamouring to go and sign with. I mean, the one and again, for me I think is, he's not the type of midfielder we need to be bringing in. The one player for me would be Carter Vickers and it will have to be on a permanent because it fills a hole straight away for us at right centre back so and I just don't see what we have to lose from I don't know I guess a 20 million plus CCV deal and he was excellent at Swansea last year in a team that had so little squad depth yeah next to Mike Vanderhorn um I think it just fills a hole straight away for us. Sounds good to me. I'm I'm, I'm on board Nick. Um finally a quick word on the fact that the Harvey Elliott deal uh, was confirmed yesterday. Really bizarre. Fulham didn't seem to confirm it. No, he played on the, a game on the Fulham website. The time on the report says nine thirty yesterday morning. I was like, "That's bollocks." Because <laughs> it was. I was. Sw- you did not say anything. Maybe you know. The I'm not bothered. I couldn't care less that he's gone because he played three substitute appearances in three absolutely pointless games. Away to Millwall, away to Wolves when we pre- when we already relegated, and at home to Newcastle when we got battered 4-0. So I yeah. couldn't care less about him moving on. He's got the stupidest haircut I've ever seen. And there's not even their comments. Would it be improved with a bucket hat? Yes, because <laughs> many things improve with bucket hat. But no, I, I, I'm not bothered about him going in the slightest. Because he's going to Liverpool, we'll get a decent amount of compensation. I've read anything from five to ten million pounds, which isn't, bad considering it's a player who realistically would have just been a player to come off the bench as an impact I don't season. even think he'd have been that I really really don't well, you, you say, he yeah, played I, in the Carabao Cup and I and, and those performed those games at the end of last season where he played in the Premier League were clearly incentivised to increase his value it's the only reason and he's my whole thing with people saying or some people saying he, he has some sort of form of loyalty towards Fulham he only joined the he only joined the academy set up like three or four years ago he was at QPR before that so he hasn't got any form of loyalty. So I'd be like, well, Patrick Robinson's a bit of a different case. But he still came from AFC Wimbledon. He didn't, he wasn't, he didn't start at Fulham as an eight-year-old. Yeah. He only moved to Fulham when I think he was 12, 13. So these youth players, you know, yes, they're not like Sessignon who, who have come through the club since eight years old. You know, Harvey Elliott's always been a Liverpool fan. Same with Patrick Roberts. So I just, I'm not, I'm not bothered at all by him leaving, to be honest. No, I don't. I just, I kind of put it in here as a customary, we should mention it. But I just don't think there's any debate 
to be had it's it's it just is one of those things and i'm not i I, don't, I wouldn't even go as far to say it's a shame it's just if, if we get five to ten million for him happy days for a 15 year old yeah, exactly so much can happen to a 15 year old a 15 year old could never play 16. a minute oh sorry I mean, he was 15 when he played against Millwall oh, right, okay. he turned 16 now a 16 year old has still got a long old way to start becoming a professional footballer that actually plays proper minutes especially at, at if, the especially level. if you're looking at the position he plays in that Liverpool and where what they strength and depth they've got in that side I know maybe not depth as such but he's still got players such as Divock Origi and Jordan Shakiri to play in that interchangeable front three he's getting nowhere near the first team yeah he came on for half hour yesterday because Jürgen Klopp fancy gave him some minutes but he's come out and said he thinks maybe a loan deal for him to go out is probably the best thing I mean Andy Lonergan's been getting minutes in pre-season so there's only so much we need to read into that Um, right we have digressed a little bit we need to move on because we need to discuss Saturday's big opener up at Barnsley it's coming up next Hello, Dom here. If you want an extra Fulham audio fix each week, check out the Fulham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, which is every Wednesday from 9 to 10pm UK time. There's plenty of Fulham discussion and regular interviews with ex-players too. If you can't listen live, just search for Fulham Fan Show in your podcast app of your choice and get it on demand whenever you like. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with George Cooper. Hello. Nick McNee. Hello. And Tom Betts. Hello, hello. Uh, let's start off with a little bit of correspondence. Uh, first email here is from Joe M. Uh, he says, huge fan of the pod since I discovered last year, making me feel like I'm still in Fulham. Uh, with much regret, my wife and I had to leave the UK due to my visa expiring and not being able to renew. Um, I worked um, in Chiswick for the RNLI, best lifeboat station in all the land. Um, I digress. I need your help to put together my fantasy football team to finally beat all my office mates in the UK. Can we help Joe M? Well, where's Dara? Get him on the line. and Because he's, he's, he's a football fantasy expert. He is the football fantasy We're expert, but are there any, I mean, any secret tips? Listen to the Game Week podcast. It'll probably, probably, give, you, it'll probably give, give you more laughs about their jingles more than anything else. But uh, I don't really play fantasy football. So okay. I haven't played for the last three years. So Let's I'm, move on from you. I'm the worst in, the knee. in the words of Jose Mourinho, I have nothing to say. I haven't played fantasy football like ever. <laughs> George, are but, you going to make it a hat trick of people that have got no idea? No, my, my success with fantasy football has always been uh, sort of plagued by my blind loyalty to Fulham. I yeah. al- always include the maximum amount of Fulham players, and it's really not done me any favours. So that's why I'd say don't don't be too loyal with fantasy football. You got to check it every week as well, and just yeah, stick at it. If you stick out with office fantasy footballs, half the people there just stop doing it after the third week. Yeah, if you are just regular through the rest of the season and don't get too ambitious. Plus, also my only tip, and I mean I'm not very good at fantasy football, so don't trust me. But if you order players by form, then you sometimes can get uh, a few good players through that way. But I'm terrible at fantasy football, so sorry, Joe. Next time that Dara is on the podcast <laughs> or George Singer, because George Singer um, loves a fantasy football spreadsheet, we will uh, we will endeavour to help. Uh, the Fulhamish fantasy football will still be going, I believe. Uh, we'll put some details out on the Twitter about that this week. Uh, a couple of quick uh, emails um, from people that think they're unique Fulham fans. Uh, Harrison Steele, hi Fulhamish. I think I'm the only Fulham. This is so niche. <laughs> I'm the only Fulham fan to be on a plane to Perth, Australia, while we got promoted to the Premier League. Of the 2000 to 2001 season I mean he's yes. probably he's probably not wrong how on earth would he have known because unless he was listening to it on a phone you can't use your phones on airplanes or he found out when he was landing so there would be no celebrations or anything do you know what I mean yeah 
I mean, so he'll have no proof. idea, but I'm going to guess that if there was one plane going to, to Perth or whatever, that you're probably in with the chance of being the only person. Uh, finally, David Kettlehake, um, who said um, that I think I'm the only Fulham fan to have written my second novel, which is titled Fever, which includes a few paragraphs in which the protagonist is visiting London and attempts a Fulham match at Craven Cottage. Now, I don't reckon, actually, David, you're the only person to have written two novels that is a Fulham fan. However, I'm more than happy to plug your book, so go check out David's book called Fever. Right, Saturday. Is that about the place in Epsom? What? Is there a place the club? F- yeah, the club in Epsom. <laughs> Fever it, and Boutique. Is it a good club? I wouldn't no. imagine Epsom's the greatest place for a night no, out. No, you've got Boogie Lounge and Fever and Boutique, but I wouldn't go to either. Why do you know so much about Epsom nightlife? It's around the corner for me. It's quite far. You live in Morden. Yeah, if I get, if I get, if I get, if I drive, it's like twelve minutes. All right, ten minutes. Didn't realise it was also connected. Okay, so we need to discuss Barnsley on Saturday, three p.m. at Oakwell. It's the big championship opener. Um, and Dom, good memories from the last time. Uh, last two we were at Oakwell. They've both been great. What, what happened in time? Oh, that was the four-two. The four-two, which I saw so little, so little. I think I missed Shot. three of the goals. Out and I six. just about saw, I nearly missed four, but I was just walking back into the ground when Scott Malone scored. That Was it a cross that went in at yeah. the far post? Yeah. So I sort of just turned my head and saw it uh, dip in. So I, I count that goal. But <laughs> yeah, um, loads of people missed so many goals. Because there were so many goals at the, right at the end of the first half. Yeah. And everyone was just in the bar because the game was terrible like, up to that point. And then, um, yeah. So, and then obviously last time, which was, you know, K-Mac's famous screamer on the touchline and Sessegnon's goal which I don't think anyone re- at down the front really saw no no one saw Sessegnon's it just goal saw, we saw the net sort of ripple and then it just yeah chaos ensued so the Barnsley's always, Barnsley's always good fun um, so I like it just because it's one of those places where the ground is literally in the town centre what's the name of that three story Weatherspoons when you get the out Joseph Brahma that's it very weird layout for a pub and last it was time, weird last time I went in there all the time before there was people queuing at the bar on a single file which is just unacceptable <laughs> etiquette especially um, at Weatherspoons like, yeah, when I was that like, mate I'm just going to walk straight up to the bar they said I pushed in I was like I'm not pushing in if you're not going <laughs> to queue at a bar correctly <laughs> fucking full of this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't just queue at a bar then I'm going to walk up to the front well so. you said it's an unusual layout describe it to me well, it's just sort, so like when you walk in it's like a it looks like you you generic spoons like, right. you know just generic men under the water type spoons but then you don't realize it's got these other floors upstairs which are which are which are really it's a really weird pub but it's a good pub at the same time very weird layout though um George, how nailed on is it that Corley Woodrow is going to score? Oh, he's written in the stars. You're, surely everyone's lumping on him anytime goal scorer. He's going to score. <laughs> he's got. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. When was the last time that happened? Uh, an ex-Fulham striker scored against us. Every game, it feels like. Yeah, when was the actual, the last one? It must have been... Pavel Pogrebniak, I don't know. He didn't, yeah, did he score <laughs> Yeah, he scored against Reading, yeah. In the yeah. first year in the Championship. All right, well, we'll go for Pravel Progrebniak. If you can um, have a little bit of a Google and let us know the last time that an ex-Fulham player scored against us, uh, do let us know. I'm sure it's going to be something really, really obvious, yeah. like in the final game of last season or something like that. So uh, do let us know. I mean, Nick, any? I'm a bit wary of Barnsley. Um, they've made some sensible signings this summer. I mean, they're the bookies' favourites to finish last. And I think if you listen to something like Not The Top 20, I mean, they're doing their Championship Rundown podcast this week. I bet you find that Barnsley are nowhere near the bottom three. Yeah, I don't think they'll finish up in the bottom three. They've got an interesting manager in Daniel Stendel, who they brought over from Germany, um, introduced a pretty progressive style of play over there. Uh, they've made a lot of signings, um, mainly between 
people, you know, players aged between 21 and 23. So they've clearly got a model, uh, a model over there um, of signing players young and then selling them off expensively. Interesting, they lost um, Liam Lindsay and uh, to Stoke and Ethan Pinnock to Brentford, who were their centre-back partnership last year and uh, mostly throughout the championship when they got relegated. So I think Ethan Pinnock's going to be a big loss for them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I think uh, that's also one to wor- worry about because, you know, you centre-back partnerships take a while to form, as we so so very well know. So, uh, yeah, I think there's uh, it's going to be a very interesting game on uh, Saturday. Yeah. I mean, they lost the, pretty much their entire defence that uh, only conceded 39 goals last season. So I think it'll be key to see how the new signings integrate. Um, and obviously, you've got to factor in a bit of sort of a teething period there. So I, I think we, we, we should we should get a um, get a few goals. I, I like to think, so. I think it's a really difficult one to call. I think lots of new signings on either side. I think there's only so much you can preview it. Barnsley will have that first game back in the championship feel good factor you imagine it's going to be a bigger attendance than normal up there at Oakwell so yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens let's move on to some questions uh, we've got about 10 minutes for some of these uh, first of all from Matt Wall let's do a time capsule prediction for top two and playoff winner um, and if different where will Fulham finish Ooh, I'm going to say... We, th- this will be recorded and held for future purposes. <laughs> okay. Um, so in a court of law, I will go with Cardiff to win it. And I'm going to say West Brom second and then Fulham via the playoffs. I'm going for Cardiff to win, Fulham second, and then Leeds to finally overthrow their playoff curse. That's what and do it. Leeds aren't getting promoted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not being in a, I'm not being in a world where Leeds are back in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Dom. Um, I think winners will be West Brom. I think they'll do very well this season. I'm going to say Fulham will nick second. And going up through the playoffs, Bristol City. Ooh. Okay, so that well, you've you've named two of mine. I'm going to say I'm going to go. I'm going to go say it. I'm going to say Fulham champions. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You've jinxed it. No, I haven't jinxed it. I mean, I have jinxed it considering my last two things. I didn't mention the fact that uh, I went on Not the Top 20 last week and said that Frank Zambo and Geese is going to be a championship player of the season. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I probably have jinxed it. I'm going to say Bristol City second. I think they look really, really strong. And I'm going to say something horrible here. Brentford. QBR. Brentford to win the playoffs. I think Brentford are going to really push for the top six this season. I think they're in it. I think there's no doubt Brentford are in the top six. But I just I just don't know where, whether they've got the squad to last a full push for the entire season. I wonder if they've got the bottle to do the playoffs. That's my only. They've done it before, but obviously not oh, a long time ago. It was yeah, but I mean, it was only what five seasons ago, four seasons ago. First year we were yeah, first down, year down yeah. yeah, when they had Andre Gray banging in the goals up front. Yeah, um, but they've lost a legend of the game in Josh McEachran this uh, summer. There's reports that um, Andre Gray might go to West Brom, and if he goes there, that's a really big problem with for us at least with them and Kenneth Sahor. Who isn't, who isn't special, but like... Hasn't Kenneth Hall left Cardiff? Yeah, he's gone to West Brom. He's gone West Brom? Yeah. I wasn't sure where he... I saw he left. I wasn't sure where he went. But yeah, if they have a front two of Zahor and Andre Gray, the entire championship is in a world of hell. And also, we've got the massive matter of where the hell does Dwight Gale go? Because he yeah. will go somewhere in the championship. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone knows that, but... He'll be linked to Fulham for the rest of time. It's a bit like Jason Kumas. Until he retires, Colin he will well. uh, eternally be linked to Fulham. Um, Mark Moody, if worst came to the worst, Christie or Adoy at right back? Adoy, because Christie can just fuck off. Right, there we go. Um, Nick? 
Uh, can I say Marlon Fossey? No. Okay, fine. Dennis Adoy. Adoy. Dennis Adoy every day of the week. I'm going to say Cyrus Christie. You're wrong. Oh, you've totally... Just because Jack's would... here doesn't mean you need to back his opinion up here. I'm going <laughs> to back the more natural right back. I know Adoy was... He's a not right. a natural right back because he's not a natural defender. No, I'm going to play back... Cyrus Christie is a good championship player and will do a job he's for us a good at right player in the Vanarama National South. Was he good for us the season we got promoted? Well, we played about two games. He, no, he played more than two games. He played about two games. He played nearly every game, at least coming off the bench, because Ryan Fredericks couldn't last. No, I, don't, I just I just don't rate him that highly. I think I don't rate him that highly either, but I would rather him at right back than Dennis Adoy. No. What's your reasoning? Yeah. Because I, I was on that right... I mean, I'm saying it's the lesser two evils. I'd rather get in a proper right back, but I don't think exactly that Dennis Adoy is the staple of um, solid, mistakeless defending. He's a fan favourite. He's entertaining. Look, <laughs> would I like to have a coffee with Dennis Adoy at a hipster cafe? Yes. Who would I prefer at right back? Cyrus Christie. <laughs> the issue with Christie for me is he just constantly gets caught out out of position every single time it's like he's never been taught how to play right back at all By Dennis like Adoy at least has an idea of it's a vague idea a very small idea but at least he's he knows pro- how one to of, one of my, play my main right problem back. with Chris is obviously positionally because he like I just don't if he wants to be an overlapping fullback which we which we were used to in championship last time he doesn't seem to go deep at deep enough down the line and he keeps to stop like halfway and try to whip a ball in from there I know but you're not Matt Target mate you can't do yeah. that so, I th- yeah, I, I, for now, I'd rather have a doy, but for me, I'd rather sign a starting championship right-back. And I don't think we're even going to be playing with overlapping full-backs this year. I think there's going to be more impetus well, than them to defend sure, more. Aren't we, with the likes of Ivan Caviero and Antonio, aren't our wingers going to be going inside? You're going to need those full-backs going I think there's going to be more impetus on the wingers to like kind of create. That's why you sound like a knockout, someone who's you know a complete wild card, you know, who can score two goals out of nothing and, or create like a cross out of nowhere, whereas the last you know two seasons we had in the championship, the likes of Aite... Cabano and Cess were very much finishers more than actual wingers. And um, there is a question here based slightly on that. This is from Jared Sagar. It said it was an obvious lack of chemistry between Brian and Notcart and Doy Clavelero. Understandable. Um, Jared's asked which flanks got more bonding to do. I'm going to ask which flank do you expect to form a better partnership? I think you've got to look at the left hand side just because Cyrus Christie's not there. Right. Um, or- <laughs> If you, I think yeah, I think yeah, Joe Bryan on the left hand side. I think the partnership will will be formed there. It'll get better over time. But if you're going to see it with Cyrus Christie at right, but there's going to be no possible partnership made on the right hand side. I actually thought that on Saturday there was already at least a notable partnership um, going on between Adoy and Knocker. That might be just you know language related because obviously they're both Belgian. Well, one's Belgian, one's French. You know, common languages there. I think they both they're speaking Flemish to each other. Well, the Belgians speak French, don't they? No, I know they do, but like the, the common middle ground is, is is Flemish. My mind is actually blown right now. <laughs> well, they, speak, they speak all sorts. Well, of... it must be French anyway. Um, yeah. I um, imagine communication isn't an issue anyway. Yeah, communication is not an issue there. So I think it's already like well developing, but in terms of which flank I think needs to do it probably a bit more. Um, I'd probably say um, the left-hand side a bit more. I know they need to do an essay more. I do, I, because... I do think that Brian and Caviero will actually work better together than an Adoy or Christie with Knockout. So I think the better partnership will actually be done on the left-hand side. I think they've both got a lot of work to do. And it, what you do need to know, especially with full-backs, with wingers, you need you can't be swapping full-backs like, every week. You can't be playing Adoy one week, Christie the next. You have to be playing the same team pretty much every game just so they can build that partnership, as we saw 
with Target and Sess and we saw with Fredrickson, whoever played on the right-hand side. Uh, this is a quick, more factual question from Kixo. It says, how many loan spaces in our squad have we got left? How many more loans can we bring in? Currently, it's two. I think you can have three in your... Ma- uh, no, sorry, five in, in your, your match day squad. squad. So we've got three, theoretically, left. And you can have as many loans as you want, just only five in the squad. You can. Theoretically, have I, f- I think that's what the you know the rules dictate but do we really but want yeah, to do gonna, that you're not going to have another two or three lone players just coming in to not be in the match day squad exactly no, you're no, not going to have course. a Rafa Suarez and Shea Yojo situation again yeah please no uh, this is a great question Clint McClendon uh, what is your favourite FFC season opener you've attended his uh, 2012 versus Norwich the 5-0 which I'm going to instantly go in and say that's definitely mine that was a lovely day in the sunshine if we're talking about the result of the game no the game let's go for the game yeah I would probably say that that was fun We were. To- I think it was between us and Swansea for who was top of the league yeah that it was they beat um, whoever they were playing 5-0 as well yeah we, we were joined at the top with Swansea I remember I think we were, off- we were ahead alphabetically at that time because yes we were it was the only thing to separate the two of us and I thought Mladen Petric was going to be a, a, a wonder player for that season, but didn't quite come to fruition. But I thought he he was in that game. I thought he was he was absolutely great. And yeah, I th- if we're if we're talking about like I quite enjoyed, even though it was the game was terrible, was uh, opening of fourteen fifteen when we had Ipswich at the five thirty kickoff. Because everyone was just absolutely. Wasn't it twelve thirty? No, it was five thirty no, on was, Saturday. Because yeah. everyone was absolutely battered. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like first game in the championship away from home. Five thirty kickoff. Cameron just started. At everyone, everyone, oh, everyone, no. everyone. Loads of people got to Liberal Street really early, drank there for a bit, then got the train down to Ipswich. Yeah, that, that was that was a fun day out. Um, any uh, other opening day opening days that stand out? I actually quite enjoyed the Newcastle one 0 win. That was about what seven thirty, seven forty five kickoff. Yeah, like, that was just the, first, the right temp- that was the first game of the season as well. Yeah, just the right temperature, you know. Yeah, and that was the sign of be- uh, really great things to come. I would definitely ag- agree yeah, with I that. Think, I, I think after that game, I ended up at a house party in Wimbledon, which had a swimming pool in it, singing, singing uh, "Take Me Home, Alfie Ed." So. And Ryan Tunnicliffe gave away the most obvious penalty that got completely no called by Simon Hooper. No ball to hand. There you go. <laughs> and uh, George? Yeah, I'd have to say the Norwich game. Can't really see past that. Who scored that day? Andy, John- Andy John's got a few, didn't he? No, I think uh, it was he was gone by then. Was he gone by then? It was yeah. Petrich. Petrich scored oh, two. Yeah, Kakamichli was on his, his first ever goal. Um, Steve Sidwell scored a penalty, I believe, yeah. uh, in the last in the uh, with the last kick of a game there's a couple going back rolling back the years I think there was a 3-2 win over Middlesbrough um, a long time ago which uh, stands out in the memory and of course um, for any of you that were Fulham fans back then it, it wasn't a win but there was the 3-2 at Old Trafford, which mm. uh, Louis Sahar scored, was that the uh, was that the opening game? Yeah, because I was going to mention that, but I didn't think. Yeah, it was, it was the, the opening, opening game. game. We did, we went one, we went one nil up and two one up, and then um, Ruud van Nistelrooy scored two. Yeah, because I think that that was the I want to say it's the first time. Was it the first time I went to Old Trafford? I just feel like I've been to Old Trafford so many times. They've all sort of blended into one yeah. sort of trip. But yeah, that was, yeah. But I think yeah, result wise, I'll go with yeah Norwich. But um, day out, you got got to go with it just because of that that train back was just absolute chaos uh, final question here which I'm going to take a stab at answering that I don't really know the answer from Nathan Mack said have you heard anything regarding Fulham FC TV for the upcoming season the website has nothing as of today and as an overseas fan I'm curious what the cost will be um, I have no idea I think that there will be some sort of service well, I think that the, the EFL all EFL clubs have to provide yeah, either through the EFL. they follow they go with the I follow yes or they decide to offer their own which I they think, did last time I think Fulham like to do it themselves 
um, if they can. There's an interesting one this season that in the championship, all um, evening kickoffs are available on the red button on Sky. Yeah, to watch on Sky. So, for instance, our Millwall game will be on TV. So it may be easier to pick up streams and uh, and things like that for for midweek games. But um, yeah, I have no I mean, idea. They always seem they always it, seem to as it stands, half our games for the first six weeks of the season are on TV anyway. Yeah, it it always these things always get announced at the uh, very last second, Nathan. So I imagine there'll be something up their sleeve for for Barnsley. But okay. it is a shame that they always decide to leave it to the last second because it does make it difficult for those overseas supporters who have no other real way of following i mean there's always uh, there's always uh, jim and jamie <laughs> at uh, a uni i was listening to a uh, gentleman jim of my mate who's a nottingham forest fan and he didn't really he just thought it was five live or something he didn't realize that it was like a fulham sponsored uh Radio show, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was like, "Oh, commentator's a bit one-sided." And I was like, "Yeah, that's gentleman Jim. Yeah, that is very much gentleman but he, Jim." Um, for you. The fellow, he should get in touch with the the um, information at the club, the press office, or something. I'm sure they'll get back to him. I imagine at the moment it'll they'll probably... be like, "We're working on it." Yeah, I, I, I was going <laughs> to say that. It starts on Saturday, mate. So I want you to. I think you might want to hurry up with that. <laughs> um, right, that is all for the Fulhamish podcast today. Um, loads to get through. Um, we haven't had uh, an opposition fan on today's podcast, but uh, Don assures me that there's going to be a Barnsley fan uh, during the Fulham fans show on Love Sports on Wednesday night from nine. Yeah, from nine pm. If you can't catch it, uh, the podcast will be up on Thursday morning. Yes, indeed. And then from next week, we'll be fully in to doing Fulhamish Extras so there'll be two podcasts a week starting from next week and lovely little bit of content going up on the Fulhamish website tomorrow because Tuesday the 30th of July marks 10 years since Fulham's Europa League run started back in 2009-2010 we were away at FK Vetra in Lithuania um, so there was an article that's been written uh, by Johnny Smith uh, a really beautiful recount of the day and there's some great photos as well that we've been um, provided by John Hall which is going to be on the website as well so do check out that as well we're going to be really uh, honing in uh, on the Europa League 10 year anniversary this season and we're going to have different articles uh, recounting all of the 10 different away trips from that year right uh, we just need to name the podcast George Cooper I'm going to hand you the baton of honour should we go with Zutalor Zambo Zutalor Zutalor Zambo um, oh god it's so painful I'm really upset about Zangui so I don't I'm not bothered well, <laughs> that's why you're like, Zutalor Zambo. It's like a celebration for you and for me. It's like Zutalor. Okay, right. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. We will be back next week. George Cooper, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Nick McNee, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Don Betts. All right. I'm not going to be keeping up too much with the Fulham game this weekend because it's my stag do. Um, Hello. What, yeah. what, what you got planned? I have absolutely no idea where I'm going. I have absolutely no idea what's happening. But you, you do somehow end up at Barnsley away. I would love it if it somehow <laughs> ended up at Barnsley away. You I might told, be the mascot. I told the best <laughs> man. Oh, that would be so good. I would love that. Oh, I would, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be brilliant. No, I'll probably be the mascot a game that, that's not Fulham Barnsley. Knowing, knowing my mates, right. I'll probably be down at like Torquay or something like that. But yeah, is, a, is the best man in charge of proceedings uh, sort of prankster? Um, no, I think it's going to be quite... I, I, I don't think it's going to be too brutal, but I, ha- on, I honestly have no idea what's happening. Um, I told him, I said, don't do it in the football season. And he looked at the Premier League fixtures, hence why it's on this weekend, because he thought, oh, this is really clever. I'm going to put it the weekend before the, um, before the season starts. So I was like, no, that's, that's the weekend the season does start. <laughs> um, so hence why my stag do um, is... Uh, okay. 
I reckon he's done that to throw you off the scent and uh, this time next week we'll be looking at images of you dressed in a Fulham shirt holding, holding, Tom hands, holding hand. hands with Tom Kearney <laughs> uh, oh do you know what actually I do think is a likelihood is my brother has been helped organise the stag do and my brother is a Chelsea fan and it's it's a horrible affliction on my family I feel like has he not been disowned yet uh, well he has been disowned in lots of ways I, I, I feel like some sort of Chelsea memorabilia will end up on my person and I'm going to be fuming about it so I'm just apologising in advance Okay, well, we look forward to uh, hearing all about it next time, mate. Best of luck. If I'm not here next Monday, you know what's happened. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Liars.